Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. It just occurred to me that uh, when I hear a now your host, Lynn Cullen, that there was a big, huge fight to get a woman to be called simply a host. <laughs> Do you remember that? And now your hostess, Lynn Cullen, would have been what was expected. And it just occurred to me, that's just an, one example of a battle won uh, when a lot of us want to remember that uh, the arc of progress is slow, but it does, it does bend. Um, apologies for my, the sound of me. I mean, I should say that every day, uh, but apologies. I've been, um, why do you, why is a sickness always come on on the weekend? <laughs> you know, you look forward to a weekend and then you're felled on the, you know, Friday, Friday. Um, but uh, anyway, here I am, for better or for worse, uh, and uh, over the weekend, certainly, uh, so many, uh, so much news that uh, I feel compelled to, why can't I get this out of here? Oh, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, man, these algorithms. So here I am on, and, and what is the ad that is blocking the thing I want to uh, access? The algorithm obviously knows who I am because it says here, senior RV rentals. Well, it sort of knows who I am. It knows I'm senior. It doesn't know <laughs> that the idea of renting an RV is not exactly something that uh, I, there is no way to get this thing out. Okay, um, forgive me. Lots of news, and I'd just like to get to as much of it as I can, and uh, feel free to chime in. Um, I'm, I guess I should get my phone out to make sure that I'm getting your emails, because that could continue, continue to be a an issue. Uh, did I say it was October, whatever it is, 14th, uh, uh, Monday? And I don't know. There's so much to talk about. Uh, generally speaking, I would say it was a uh, it was a good week for us in the resistance. <laughs> Uh, because it was a really bad uh, last few days for uh, for you know who. Um, he's losing court cases left and right. I think it was on Saturday alone he lost uh, he lost four <laughs> in four separate federal courts um, with the uh, the cracks starting up in terms of people willing to. Uh, willing to testify. The uh, ambassador who he yanked out of Ukraine for uh, doing her job and not his, uh, that was a first huge crack. There's another 
uh, his former Russian uh, analyst who left the administration uh, is testifying, I believe, now. Uh, you've got Sutherland, who is his pal and has uh, got his position as ambassador to the EU, not because of his experience in diplomacy. He had none. Uh, he, like Trump, is a real estate developer with lots of money, uh, much of which he gave to Donald Trump um, while he was running for office and was rewarded with this uh, rather important uh, diplomatic uh, position. Uh, it appears he's not a total fool, though, and um, he's going to tell his semblance of the truth, it appears, on Thursday, saying that it was Trump, not him, who uh, told him to say there was certainly, whatever the exact phrase is, no quid pro quo, whatever. I just think clearly things are um, beginning to collapse. And I would think more and more people are going to be jumping ship, uh, trying to save themselves. Uh, I, I just can't see it playing out any other way. Of course, there is the fear of what this totally now destabilized and uh, unstable man is, is going to perpetrate uh, before um, he is gotten out of office one way or the other. I have been just sickened by what has happened to the, the Kurds in, uh, I'm just sickened. I remember way back during George W. Bush's administration and the valor of the Kurds in Iraq uh, helping us. The valor and extraordinary uh, courage of the Kurds in fighting ISIS alongside our, our people. I cannot begin to imagine what the rank and file who fought alongside them, what the commanding officers, many of whom retired, have spoken out rather vehemently about this extraordinary betrayal of these, of these stateless proud people. I'll let others with more uh, foreign policy chops uh, break it down, but, but here, here in a nutshell is what has happened just a, over the weekend. Uh, the United States has totally capitulated to Russia and Iran and Syria and for that matter Turkey. Total capitulation we are, uh, if Donald Trump is not literally a Manchurian president, a, a puppet of Vladimir Putin, then man, he is doing the most extraordinary performance of exactly that. Everything he does. accrues to the benefit 
of this monster, evil, Vladimir Putin. Our, our country's enemy, our president's bromance. I... It's hard to know, um, really, even where to start. Can you imagine uh, the people who are going to take a stab at writing uh, the first histories of this presidency? <laughs> how, first of all, how can the book be less than 500 million pages? And how, how do you even start? How do you untangle the sordidness I can't imagine a job like that. A lot of talk today, not that it's surprising, about this uh, violent video that was shown at a uh, Trump event in Florida. Um, I'm sure you've heard about it. and. It, it apparently is, is using um, a film, a violent film, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and then superimposed on it Trump's head and the heads of other people and the logos of news organizations. And I'll just read this one. I think this is yeah, the Washington Post. By the way, the, the su this has been on YouTube, this thing, since uh, 2018. And it was put there on a um, a website called, I believe, uh, Meme World. And the guy who runs this site is goes by the name of Carpe Donctum. And in July, where was Carpe Donctum? He was in an Oval Office meeting. So let's be clear. The guy who put this thing out there in the first place has been welcomed by the President of the United States into the inner sanctum and was at that meeting told by the President that he is a genius. Um, this guy, I believe, did not himself do the video. He will not identify the creator of the video. But um, this is the kind of crap that he that he puts into our uh, our social conversation. Here is what um, I want to read this. I suppose some of you have seen it. I do not want to look at it. I know that um, a lot of news channels are refusing to show it as well because I forgot who said it, but <coughs> Trump and his minions are quite willing to fetishize violence against their opponents.
this is not the first time this kind of thing has has been done as we as we know um, and the fetish I, I, I fear to say this word because I don't know if I can the fetishization of violence uh, of course leads to the real thing the uh, the constant uh, talking about uh, the news media as the enemy of the people will to some people mean that they're the enemy well we should kill them and as we know there have been uh, numerous incidents of pro-Trump people uh, attempting to do just that this video is apparently even more so than any that have been before uh, says here the video's massacre scene opens with Trump this figure with Trump's head imposed on it with Trump walking down the center aisle of a packed church more than a dozen of the parishioners faces are covered by the logos of major media organizations ranging from PBS to the Washington Post I don't think Fox News was there Rising out of the pews, when Trump passes, some of the churchgoers appear to be yelling at him, and his face contorts into a scowl. As the shouting intensifies, Trump abruptly stops walking and turns to face the angry mob. He pulls out a black gun from his jacket's inside pocket and shoots a person. <coughs> edited to represent the late actor Peter Fonda. So the first person killed in this thing is Peter Fonda, who was a, a critic of uh, the president. Anyway, uh, Trump shoots Peter Fonda in the head from point-blank range. Then Trump takes down Bloomberg, Vox and fake news in quick succession before shooting Politico. At one point, he grabs someone who represents the Black Lives Matter movement in a chokehold and then shoots him in the head. After shooting MSNBC host Rachel Maddow, Vice News, Representative Adam Schiff, and Slate Trump tries to shoot the late Senator John McCain, but he is out of bullets. Instead, he uses his gun to deliver a vicious blow to the back of McCain's neck. The attack continues with Trump going after some of his most prominent detractors. He stabs actresses, no, he stabs actress and comedian Rosie O'Donnell, repeatedly punches Maxine Waters. He goes on to shoot Mika Brzezinski and Senator Mitt Romney and later assaults Hillary Clinton with a gun. The video comes to a dramatic end when Trump jams a sharp wooden stake through the head of a person whose face is a CNN logo.
this is uh, this is what this president has begot. It's uh, it's really. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm still, like, shaking my head like, I can't believe this, I can't believe this. But, my God. Um, I avoid the Wall Street Journal editorial page uh, like I avoid, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not as sharp today. I can't think of a, a metaphor. Like I avoid the Black Plague, I don't know. But listen to this last sentence of Saturday's Wall Street Journal top editorial. Mr. Trump's judgment can be so reckless that many voters who took a risk on him the first time will ask if he's worth a second gamble when he will no longer be disciplined by having to face the voters again. Impeachment won't defeat Donald Trump in 2020, but Donald Trump might. Uh... For the Wall Street Journal, that's like, uh, whoa, whoa. And the, and, and the fact that they, what's interesting is they're suggesting that a lot of people, uh, understandably, who voted for him, would not vote for him a second time around, seeing what, well, what has ensued. They, however, don't seem to suggest that. They who think he's reckless, they who must just be as repulsed by him and his actions as so many, they will be there for him. They're just pointing out that some people who have principles that rise above their own net worth might decide to forego support in 2020. One of the bright spots of the weekend was the performance um, in Germany of uh, Simone Biles. I just want to say this. You don't have to be into gymnastics. I'm not particularly. Uh, but if she's doing something, I want to see it. Because she is flat out, I think, did I say this before, the greatest athlete of all time, male or female. I don't know that there's another human being. And granted, there may be, but I don't know. And some things are apples to oranges. But no human has ever dominated an entire global sport as she does. I mean, she's so far ahead of everybody else, it almost seems like... <laughs> I feel for anyone competing in real time with her, you cannot win. You cannot win. She has now won more 
medals, more gold, more world records than any other gymnast ever, male or female. And, of course, if she keeps going, if she chooses to, she can pile up a record that no one will ever. Because she's absolutely, seemingly, superhuman. She's, you know, you see others do these things, and there's a wobble, there's a this. She is absolute perfection. And the danger of what she does, pushing it all the time, pushing it a little more. I know there's concern in gymnastics that uh, she's pushing it to a point where others trying to emulate, trying to duplicate, will end up actually dying. Because a normal human being, even an athletically gifted human being, should not be able to do what she does. And I just want to say, man, anyone who thinks that strength has to do with size, <laughs> I give you Simone Biles. What is she, 4'10"? Unbelievable. You look at what she does and it does not seem possible. And, in fact, it pretty much isn't for anyone in the world but her. She's 4'8? <sighs> wow. She's 4'8? Well, so at the end, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I mentioned that Trump lost all these things in the courts. Federal appeals court uh, uh, ruled this weekend that uh, Trump's financial records uh, kept at his accounting firm uh, must be handed over to... Uh, a House committee that subpoenaed them. Uh, the White House will, of course, kick this up to the next highest court. The thing is, the next highest court is the Supreme Court. So this, the subpoenaing of Trump's financial records from his accounting firm, could well be the first major Supreme Court case that will be heard in this constitutional crisis of the separation of powers that the Founding Fathers uh, wrote into the Constitution. Because, as every court has so far said, the Congress, the House in this case, has absolutely every right to issue this subpoena and to expect that they will be turned, the information they're asking for will be turned over. So this will be maybe the first case. And we'll see whether the court packing scheme that has led Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to totally lose 
any principles they ever had. We'll see if it has served them in some capacity. We'll see if the five Republicans on the Supreme Court actually reverse this decision and by so doing reverse the decisions of all the other courts that found in the same manner. And it will be pretty damn impossible to suggest that that does not show that this court, Trump's court, has been totally politicized. The only thing that I can see uh, possibly keeping this from uh, a 5-4 pro-Trump ruling would be John Roberts, the Chief Justice, uh, who, uh, while so many people don't seem to care about their legacies, I think does. People say he does. And he has been constantly defending his court from being political. So we'll see. Appealing to the court does not mean they'll take the case. If the court does not take the case, then this ruling from the appeals court stands and Trump will have to turn over, I mean the accounting firm will have to turn over his records. We'll see. He also lost three other cases regarding his despicable, cruel immigration uh, policy changes. So there's that. You also have, since we last spoke, the extraordinary meeting, which none of us know uh, what it was about, of the Attorney General of the United States going to the private residence of media mogul gazillionaire Rupert Murdoch for a meeting. Now, the question that that meeting begs is why? Why would the Attorney General of the United States, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the country, be meeting with the head of a television network? I'm just asking. Because there's nothing you can come up with in response that would make that meeting kosher in any way. It's mind-boggling, actually. So this sense that as Rudy Giuliani falls by the wayside, that the next one up to become Trump's main consigliore will be... Um, the Attorney General of the United States. Think of all the people that have become Trump's private attorney. Michael Cohen, as we know, is right now behind bars. 
Rudy Giuliani, I think, quite likely will also end up behind bars. I guess Bill Barr might be willing to end up behind bars himself. It is not as though attorneys general have not. Nixon's attorney general did. Really something. <laughs> really something. I thought this was a sort of interesting take on, you know, as everybody now uh, watches uh, f fearfully as the president uh, destroys our reputation globally, betrays our closest allies. And while I'm on that, I have said this before. I've said this for years. What the hell is Turkey doing in NATO? When did that happen? It had to have happened before Erdogan went totally autocrat. Ick. When the hell? And if Turkey is in NATO, which means that we're supposed to go to their aid, <laughs> they were bombing our troops this weekend. What is Turkey doing in NATO? And I don't hear... They've been in since 52? Well, they need to go away. I, I 52, so from day one. Well, that's a joke. Because they need to get out. They need to be booted out. This country should not in any way do the bidding, as Donald Trump has, of this autocratic, murderous regime, which is now committing war crimes, I believe. I'm not sure who wrote this, because I don't see any, I mean, I can see the name, but I'm not sure. Um, but I think she's dead on, because we all know that Trump is a total narcissist, a pathological narcissist. Um, and she says, if you happen to have such a person in your life, uh, you know what a drain on your soul, on your very being, it is. And how many of us, without any psychiatric training at all, I mean, can see that Donald Trump is clearly a pathological narcissist. I mean, he's the epitome of it. His picture is right alongside, you know, in the uh, 
what is that, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of uh, Mental Disorders. It must just have now a picture of, of Donald Trump. Uh, the characteristics of this uh, mental illness uh, just sound like, uh, well, they sound like Donald Trump. Somebody who has an exaggerated sense of himself, of his talents. Someone who requires constant admiration and attention. Someone who cannot empathize with others. Somebody who uses people whose relationships are exploitative. Somebody who suffers excessively from envy. Yeah. So the woman who writes this piece says we now are like the child. Imagine these narcissists have children. If you are living in a household as a child and your parent is a pathological narcissist you have certain symptoms too. Because living with a person like this creates incredible psychological torment and turmoil. Children of pathological narcissists suffer from anxiety, depression, foreboding, anger, fear, bewilderment. And I have just essentially defined the current mental state of a vast majority of Americans. So having Donald Trump now as the father figure of our country, we his supplicants and children, is it any wonder that living in his household, as he sees it, that we are all living with such depression and anxiety, fear, foreboding, anger, because that's what any shrink will tell you happens to a poor child who lives under the thumb of a pathological parent. However, some children living with a pathological parent, handle it differently. They live in such fear that <coughs> the parent will turn on them, that they try to manage that parent. They try to manage the unimaginable. they sort of seemingly buy into his messages about how important he is, how big he is, and they, they sort of try to be on his side. Well, kids who react like that are now, the, those are the Republicans. 
respeito. And then this person points out a different thing. What about journalists living in this pathological narcissist house now? If pathological narcissists like Donald Trump derive their power from constant attention, then it would seem we ought not give it to them. But what's a journalist to do? Before Donald Trump became president, everything a president did, said, was news and was covered. That's what we did. That's what journalists did. The most important person, you covered everything. But those men were not like this guy. So it could be that Donald Trump, in this age of Donald Trump, and this is why I feel for the media, they've got to somehow figure out a whole new way of do being a journalist without aiding and abetting the narcissist and you can see them trying but I don't know we have a caller caller go ahead please hello hi hi it's Susie from Swiss Helm hi, I, I believe that the only way that he's ever going to shut his mouth is if he ends up in jail in an orange jumpsuit to match his face. I, I, I can't, I mean, even before, for years now, everybody has heard Donald Trump and the media has covered him. I hope that the media chooses to ignore him if he ever ends up in jail. But I, I can't, I can't see that he would, he would ever shut his mouth and the media would quit uh, covering him it drives me crazy well you know he's the president which is why in some regard you, they're, they're, they're duty bound to report what the president's doing right right. but even before he became president yeah well you know, because, with the, with the because he's a magnet for um, people he's a train wreck a, a human train wreck and yeah well, as you know, I mean, he was on so many talk shows and I know, and in the media when he opened his mouth when he started talking about uh, Obama's birth certificate. Yeah. Why couldn't they just ignore him then? Everybody else knew that he was a he was born in Hawaii and it was an American citizen. Because our media has is also corporatized, and they see dollar signs. With Trump. Right. They People, see. It they smells, see, but it sells. Yeah, they see a narrative. They see a conflict. Um, they see a train wreck. All the things that uh, television certainly loves and uh, print media, too. To and a train wreck gets, gets viewers. Yeah. Gets listeners. Well, right. It's why you have on local news so much crap that 
is not important for us to know, but it's, you know, cops and robbers. I'm sure. The only thing yeah. they cover is fires, car right. wrecks, um, right. water main breaks. Right. It's the right. low-hanging fruit. Right. And, uh, yeah, you don't have to really do anything to cover those. They become ready-made, and people just love looking, I guess, at other people's misery. But, you know, instead of doing a story on what's in the county budget, you'll never see that, ever see that anymore. No. No. no, no investigation because it takes time and money and effort. Exactly, and they don't invest in uh, news. They invest in yeah. Eye- all they have to do is listen to the police scanner and show up. They invest in eyeballs. That's in our eyeballs, and the only way uh, I don't know. We just they don't have mine anymore. Much, you know. I think we just need to look away. Look away. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's something. Things are things are moving and I don't know where they're I hope ends. they move quickly. Well, I don't know. I don't know what ends up happening. I just I don't know how anyone can write the end game here. Would he resign? Would uh will Pence become president? Uh will he take us all out with him like Jim Jones? Will he hit the button? Will you know, who the hell knows? We have. Oh, I don't think he'll resign. He loves himself way too much for that. Well, but he's got to figure out which way does he want to be a loser. Does he want to lose the election? Does he want to lose through impeachment? He's going to lose. And the more he acts like a lunatic, which he is doing, the more certain it is that he will lose. As the Wall Street Journal suggested, he will, he's his own worst enemy now. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So, I, I, I don't know. Uh, we got, you know, I hate feeling uh, powerless. And I think we all feel like we're just spectators at our own... I mean, in our own lives right now, in large part. But when you realize the people in positions of incredible power also feel that way because of this president not honoring any of the rules um, and being as deranged as he is, I don't know. I don't know. Anyone who would be um, happy about any of this is nuts. Uh, this guy, I, I just keep going back to right now, Kurdish women and children are running for their lives, and they've run to Bashir al-Assad, al-Assad. We betrayed them and they had nowhere to go but to another enemy. To protect them from the Turks, our ally supposedly, a fellow NATO member. What the hell? The world is upside down. The chaos is... 
epidemic and the only person that's really profiting is Vladimir Putin possibly the worst human being in the universe well there's a little bit of a uh, we got a rogues gallery up at that level but incredible Putin who is as I speak working mightily to sow discord in the democratic primary process and if you think he's not you're out to lunch widely believed that Putin's favorite on the Democratic side is Tulsi Gabbard, which is why she's still actually polling high enough to get into these debates. Um, she is a weirdo. Boy, is she a strange one. And all you have to know is David Duke loves her. Richard Spencer loves her. White nationalists love Tulsi Gabbard. What is she doing as a Democrat? What is she doing running for the Democratic nomination except to, I guess she's the Jill Stein of this, uh, of this primary season. Jill Stein, who was also elevated and used by the Kremlin. I think uh, such as Tulsi Gabbard. Bashir al-Assad's, by the way, uh, good friend. How the hell is she in our party? Mark writes, the lovely and charming Lindsey Graham has done it again. The abandonment of the Kurds is something that Congress will work with Trump to repair. Is that what Graham's saying? Can't. Hey, if I'm a Kurd, I do not trust the United States at all. We've sold them out before. Re Republicans sell them out. I think it was... Did W sell them out? George H.W. I think did a bit. They're constantly sold out because they're stateless people. And I've asked before, why don't they get the kind of outpouring of support and love that the Palestinians do? Mark writes, as George Conway says, the guy who threw the firebomb into the tinderbox wants credit for making a contribution to fire safety. At this point, I would take a guy who colored his hair with Tang and called himself Strom Thurmond Jr. to run against Lindsay. I, I don't know. I, I, well, listen. Is Gra I don't think, is Graham up for re-election? You know who could get knocked out um, this term, this 2020. It's a long shot, but it is definitely conceivable, I think, if things keep going down, is the guy who always manages to stay alive, and that's Mitch McConnell, because he is up for re-election. And there is a huge push to knock him out. Uh, we have another caller, so let's go over to the phones. Hello, caller. 
Dylan Highland. Hi. Um, what uh, this Tulsi Gabbard, whatever her name is, what did she do? Go against the government, the military? I'm not sure why. What, what's the? Uh... She she supports. She, look, she's an isolationist. She should be strangely. I mean, you tell me why um, David Duke, <laughs> Richard Spencer, the white nationalist, mm-hmm. why they love her so much, and they love her. It just seems to me that anybody that speaks against the military or our government, then they're no damn good. And I don't know what she said, and I don't, I'm not following completely, but I know she said about things we did in the past. It just seems that the Kurds... They, they trust us. Well, how could you trust a country that invaded a country, did nothing to you, killed Iraqis, their their families, kids, children, and they never tell you the number of that. And then you wonder why we're hated everywhere. But but it seems like this is what it is on TV. They're all pro-military and big-time pro-government. They push the military complex big-time. And they won't say against anything, against generals, they won't say against anything. And that's what's wrong with it all, because those people are wrong, too. They're, they've done things in the past, and how could they have any credibility? You take Vietnam, whatever, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, all this bullshit in the past, and then they wonder why we're not trusted. I, I just, because uh, I heard her speak against the, uh, she was in the military. She spoke against the military, what we did. I, I thought she was right on that. Now, I don't know the rest of the stuff, why David Duke likes or anything like that. I don't agree with any of that. But it seems like anytime somebody speaks against our government, they're no damn good. They, you know, they want to throw them out. I, well, I just, now, wait a minute. I and mean, it really, it's our government right. and the Pentagon who runs the God. I mean, the Pentagon seems to run the country. They tell, now, they're not telling Trump what to do. Because he's telling them what to do, and they don't like that. That's the first time somebody's told, no, nah, I don't agree to how he did it. But they need to be grabbed by the balls and say, listen, you son of a bitch, look what you did to us in the past. Look at the money you spent. Look at the lives you killed. It's just unbelievable that we just keep going down the same old hole over and over again. We're, we're wrong for what we did. Somebody needs to rein in the military. The military, let me just all say. All this bullshit wait, wait, wait. overseas is not the, worth it. Wait, the military... Uh, is a tool for people. It's a tool, but they it's do. It's a tool, and pr- they do the bidding of the commander-in-chief. Um, and the commander-in-chief, too yeah, often just, in this country, does the bidding of the military-industrial complex, which is corporate America. So right. get mad at the right that. people. No. It's it's this, whatever. I am not going to denigrate the military per se. I'm not denigrating. I'm, it's the people like a Dick Cheney who moves from Halliburton to the vice presidency. Just like when we went into Iraq, war. they said we were going to be greeted as liberators and all that. And look at the bullshit we put up with. So we're just still doing that same old bullshit over and over. And then if somebody says something about it, they're no damn good. That's how, and it, that's why it keeps going over and over until somebody gets brave enough. The Democrats, which have no balls, they they won't do anything. They'll support any kind of military thing. They'll they'll raise that budget to it's over a trillion. Somebody says, "Listen, you dumb bastards, you're spending too much money, and we're not getting anything out of it. We're we're un, the country is 
not safe because you're overseas all over spending money blowing up things and that. It, it's just bullshit, but people are I, just so afraid to say wait, anything wait, wait, wait. about I it. I just want and to say, I, the country is less safe now because of Donald Trump. There is no doubt about that. Well, and the fact right, that too, these ISIS, hundreds of, of ISIS the, people who are there. now free... And, and I, I mean, I got to tell you, be, you know. We have footprints everywhere. Yeah. We're hated everywhere. Oh. We are. We're hated everywhere. What is it? And we wonder why. Okay. Oh, we're just innocent bystanders. Bullshit. And you take a poll. Who will start World War Three? Who will do it? The United States. All the countries say that. We're the aggressors. And we pretend to be not the grass. We bitch about Russia, but we do the same things. It's just, it's just amazing how we think. Can't say nothing against it. Can't, oh, can't say. It just, it just kills me. And that's why we're gonna, this country's gonna go down because of things like that. Okay. It just, we're gonna blow us all up eventually. Now, Donald Trump, he's an asshole. We oh, know that. Okay. This guy will probably, but. The whole thing, it just kills me how you can't say all nothing right. about what goes uh, on overseas. All Black right. ops and all that. All right. Shit. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Jesus Christ. Excuse me. I just. Let's, I don't want, I can't, I don't have the energy. Let us note the passing of the former CEO of U.S. Steel, David Roderick. Um, this is a guy that, I sort of always detested. Sorry. He's a Pittsburgher, born and bred. I'll give him this. He was born into a working class home. His father worked at the post office. His, uh, his mom was a switchboard operator. He was a C student. He was quoted as saying, by most people's standards, I probably was not a very nice person. I was very aggressive, very combative, very competitive. Well, so what is that? That's the makings of a CEO of a major U.S. corporation. Not a very nice person. Aggressive, competitive, and combative. There you go, David. You are made for the time you lived in. And so this kid from humble beginnings went off to war, World War II. And by 1979, he became the chief executive of U.S. Steel. And he presided over U.S. Steel as it essentially came apart. He was responsible in his first seven years, because we lived through this. He closed 91 mills 
and other steel facilities. He threw well over 120,000 people out of work. December 27, 1983, uh, later dubbed Black Christmas. I was a reporter then. I certainly remember it well. He announced the immediate closure. I mean, he gave people no heads up. Can you imagine this? You've just celebrated Christmas. The new year is yet to uh, show. And he shut down six steel plants at, in a bang, bang, like that. And threw another 15,000 plus people out of work. This was when Pittsburgh was just imploding. And this was the guy. He did all this and then decided he needed to get into the steel and gas business. The oil and gas, excuse me. And um, that's when they became USX to make it reduce the steel presence. I don't know. I just know that what he did, and I covered the misery. I covered such misery. Pittsburgh lost almost half its population. David Roderick. Uh-oh. I hate that when I end and there's like a minute and a half left. <laughs> All right. So, how was it? Um, All righty, guys. Um, uh, uh, thank you for uh, for sticking with me through this hour. I'm I'm... Hang in there is all I have to say. <laughs> and stay away from this, whatever this is. I know it sounds like a cold, but it's not. It's something much more insidious and odd. My kid had it for over a week. It took him down, and nothing ever takes him down. So I'm, I'm really trying uh, to hang in there. So I'll see you tomorrow. Um, Susan should be joining us, and I'll uh, let her, uh, you know, do some of the heavy lifting, whether she knows it or not, okay? Uh, thank you. Uh, have a good day. Looks like a beauty, doesn't it? Um, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.